hello and welcome back and or to Displaced Underdogs. I am your host, Morgan, and welcome to my little random corner of the internet where random and displaced discussions occur. This is part two of my wonderful blue-collar conversation and, and just random, amazing, full circle makes sense in the end, I promise. Uh, oh, man, I'm so sorry. Excuse me. It's like 2.36 a.m. where I'm at, and I should probably get some sleep, but I want to get this up because it's so amazing and fantastic. Um, my co-host for part one of this and this part, the second part, Mr. Robert Pearson is amazing. And again, the conversation is just, we got rudely cut off by, by the invite a friend to talk with you. Um, so, so I just like did what I did what I do and re and, and started a whole new thing and and just we kept going and we kept rolling with it so if you made it to the end of the of part one you're amazing you were amazing and and I'm glad that the the timestamp did not deter you at all um I really hope that the timestamp on this one does not deter you guys at all I know that I've been really inconsistent um I haven't posted much this year and and I do apologize again working towards consistency is is one of my crosses I need bear and one of the things that I'm working on um so yeah again a lot of silence and a lot of crickets only to hit y'all at once with really really long episodes but they're amazing and the conversation it's raw it's real and I didn't edit any of it. Uh, again, apologize for the background noise that you may hear. Very active household, even when um, it seems like everybody should be asleep. Like, not, not even a mouse. The house was all silent. Nothing was stirring. Not even a mouse. Well, that's not the case at my house. But I do. I'm not that blessed to have that at my house. Two cats, two dogs, three kids, two adults. And I don't, there's always someone up, something up and moving about. So I, I do apologize. Plus I have a very hard time sitting in one area and sitting still for very long. So I do kind of wander throughout. Um, so yeah, again, I will hopefully get better at editing, but I would just rather keep it real, keep it raw with you guys. So I've been doing that thus far. So, so yes, some of my earlier episodes, you can hear trucks and stuff. Wow. I am just rambling because I am sleep deprived. So yeah, I will, I will stop now because Again, this second segment is is kind of long and and yeah, it's 
If you make it to the end of this as well, you are epic. Just epic. And I greatly appreciate you. And I would really greatly appreciate, and I have no problems plugging someone else. I would I really greatly appreciate if you guys go check out Mr. Robert Pearson on, on YouTube, on here on Anchor, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow the leader by Robert Pearson. Definitely worth a listen to. I, I mean, <laughs> yes, he, family, families are our friends because the wives, the matrons of the family have been friends since high school. But even if that weren't the case, I, w I would still be plugging him. His, his stuff is amazing, particularly for men and I I do have a very soft spot in my heart for men's issues just as much as I do women's issues. I think it's a it's an us issue that is that there's very curated and specific areas. But yes. But I can't speak to men because I don't understand men and and your struggles cuz I am a woman. <laughs> Natural-born cisgender woman, I guess, because I don't, I don't know anymore. <laughs> I don't know anymore what to call myself because I guess apparently woman is not descriptive enough. So, yes, I've never been a guy. I don't have any intentions of ever being a guy. So I can sympathize with men. I cannot empathize because I've just never been a man. Um, so he is amazing. He has amazing episodes and amazing wisdom to share so yes have a listen after you're done go check him out just do it you know you want to so with that being said welcome to part two of exactly what this podcast is all about random and displaced discussions 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 so sit back relax Plug in and enjoy. Okay, I guess we hit the uh, absolute time limit, so part two. Cool, yeah. Apparently Anchor just gives up after two hours. It's like, no, you're done. So nobody is going to listen to this garbage for this it's time to go home yeah last call was an hour and a half ago what are you doing come on <laughs> you don't have to go home but we're we're cutting you off you, you can't stay here yeah it's closing time good song <laughs> yeah, that's a while you <laughs> Not to age anybody on this or anything, you know, talking about the 90s and graduation being 2005. I mean, yeah, it's, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Gary Conservatory, class of all at five. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like, so yeah, horse injury. He was yeah. more psychologically damaged from, from that incident. 
horse accident that we talked about in part one of this. Yes. So are we, would you splice it together or do you want to like re restart over as though it's a, it's a part two second podcast kind of thing? I don't, I don't really, whatever's clever. <laughs> whatever's clever, Trevor. All right. Yep. Um, so yeah, a horse landed on you and then the horse was more emotionally traumatized, even though yep. 11 years later, your leg is still injured. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's crazy. Yep. The horse is still like the calmest horse you will ever meet in your entire life. And he's just like really chill. And he's just like, I'm not going to go too fast unless you want me to. And even then better be an open field because I don't want to, and it has to be flat. Because he has a thing with hills now. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was great times. But last part one of this, you were talking about your book and blue collar blind spot because we, and we kind of went into a lot of anecdotal rabbit holes about the blind spots within society. But what about the blind spots in the church? Because that is. That is what we were talking about primarily earlier today. And that had a lot of meat and a lot of like, cause when, cause what we were talking about with like jobs and everything before getting into horses and all that. It's, um, it's all over the place. I, I love the randomness. Yeah. We talked about yeah, medical institutions, um, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Correctional so, yeah, work. For, for recap. Uh, my name is Robert Bordelon Pearson. I wrote a book called The Blue Collar Blind Spot. I do a bunch of stuff on uh, uh, Facebook, YouTube, and um, any place podcasts are found, and a thing called Audio Mac uh, as uh, Follow the Leader. So follow the leader, uh, Robert Pearson or Robert Bordelon Pearson, and I, uh, I should pop up. But uh, if you go to followtheleader.one is my webby site, and I got all the fun stuff there. Uh, the purpose of the book is I'm a, I'm a Bible college dropout. I spent five years of Bible college with no degree. Um, but I got, I got a family, so it's, it's way better. Uh, but it turns out being a good dad and husband and provider, uh, they, they don't grade you on that. So you, you kind of have to pick which one. <laughs> so I was like, bad student doing a good job here. Cool. So I started, um, working. And so I wound up being an electrician. I'm one of the few electricians that I know of that can read and write Hebrew and Greek. Um, and like, not great, but well enough. Um, I, I can muddle through and I got some vocabulary words on tap that are more common. Um, and uh, so I started noticing though, cause I, I listened to like radio preachers and stuff all the time. The more time I worked as an electrician, the more, I realized they weren't really talking to me. It felt like they were talking past me. Um, And so I started trying to put some data points to what I, I felt like I had noticed to see, is this real or am I just making it up? Um, You know, maybe I just happened to catch all the wrong um, broadcasts. And uh, it turns out I had some, had some legs to it. So I wrote a book to just kind of articulate what I view as an issue. And uh, it's, it's mainly focusing on evangelical media because I've, I've been under a lot of individual pastors um, any pastor worth his salt knows the communities and, and caters to that community um, in his in his teaching and his examples and stuff. So, um, but the the loudest voices with the most books and the the biggest churches they they skew white collared out of uh, 
just a natural course of things. Uh, more yeah. affluent areas skew white collar. And uh, so they start speaking to that audience, but then that voice gets magnified throughout, you know, America, right? Uh, you've yep. got a local radio station. Cool. They're still playing focus on the family out of Colorado, uh, all over the U.S. They pay money and they rebroadcast it. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I listen to, <laughs> I listen to focus on the family. Dude, I've got nothing against focus on the family, but if you pay attention to the amount of examples they give, like I, I like Jim Daly. Um, he, he does good work out there. Uh, he, he, he contextualizes the message as he's doing the interview. Most of the time it's with a single mother or a stay at home mom. Yes. And a stay at home. And, and also as a female too, just FYI, as a, as a female and a, and a Christian mother myself, um, usually I can't relate to some of these women. I really, I can't because <laughs> they're amazing women. Don't get me wrong, but it, it's it's it or miss but um but when he it's awesome it's crazy listening to his skills in an interviewer because he'll be in the middle of an interview and then out of nowhere he asks a question that lets you know for at least the last five minutes he's been thinking very precisely about who's listening and where they're listening at and he asks a question of painting the picture of like tell me about this and he'll describe somebody that's listening and says tell me about that answer that mom yeah for this question you know direct this at her how should she handle xyz yeah and it's, it's so awesome but a lot of them the majority are um single mothers or um, a, a stay-at-home mom or a, a, even if it is a guy it'll be just like a guy that's a dad or if it is a work related thing it'll be vague or it'll mention an office context I and mean, that's just yeah. to, not to like pick apart focus on the family once again they do great work I grew up listening to Odyssey, Adventures in Odyssey. It's so good. I love Adventures in Odyssey. Still as an adult, um, Saturdays and stuff, we'll sometimes pull it, put up an Adventures in Odyssey episode. It's great. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to Google it, and uh, you're awesome. It's amazing. No, it's amazing. And, and, and again, I love Focus on the Family. I, there's a lot of good nuggets and a lot of um, help, but, but then there is that. And, and I do like his skills. Like you said, yeah. he, he does think about because when he does do an interview, if it is a stay at home mom, it's a stay at home mom that has found success being a blogger has found oh, success yeah. in, and, and like, and has found success in starting a, an organizational company or, or something and and they themselves in their own right are successful and it's like that's so yeah wow. uh, yeah I, uh, I i i had trouble continuing to listen to dave ramsey for that same reason because everybody calls in and they're like oh i got this much in debt and i got this and he's like all right what do you make a year well i only make like eighty thousand a year and my wife makes like seventy five thousand a year and i'm just like i'm changing the channel bud I, you can't help me <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. And I love Dave Ramsey and he does have a lot of, he does have a lot of good information. And I, and I do yeah. like his, his six steps for debt health and stuff, but yeah, like, it's like everybody that calls in though, makes at least a hundred grand a year, either between them and their spouses or each a piece. And I'm just like, I, no. you're not, 
these numbers aren't helping me. Like I need the guy that's making, you know, like 20 grand a year with 19 grand a year in expenses. <laughs> like that's, that's, yeah. that's more my speed. But um, anyway, so yeah, I listen, you know, I get in at five in the morning and I'm, or uh, four, I got to be at work at five in the morning. So I'm listening and they just basically replay everything about two hours earlier. And then at six o'clock, the same, like three shows repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wind up listening to all of this stuff and I'm like, never once have they contextualized it inside a work truck. Never once have they contextualized it, you know, for, you know, speak to that dad who's, you know, sitting in a work truck right now on his way to work and, you know, trying to figure out what he's going to do with his family when he gets home tonight. Like that's not that I've heard anyway. Um, it's not a way that they contextualize their, their message. And, um, and so I just wanted to make sure I wasn't like guessing this and like, I'm, it's not for me. Right. I'm, I'm a Bible college student. Like I don't like need focus on the family, but it's a helpful encouragement. It's a helpful reminder where I'm like, Oh yeah, I should do that. I'm yep. I got to do that. It's like, you know, eat right and exercise at this point where it's a maintenance on, um, um, you know, you let some areas slip and you're like, well, I got to tighten that back up and better time management or, you know, be good job being more engaged or better job listening. Or, um, you know, I got to crack down a little bit or I got to loosen up. Like you're, you're finding that balance, but, um, for somebody who isn't, for somebody who's struggling, they're going to hear it. And it's like, oh, they're not talking to me. They're going to change the channel. Yeah. And, um, and part, part of Bible college, I know a lot of guys that are pastors now. And I know their hearts because, you know, we were mm-hmm. sitting around making faces at each other in the dorm rooms and, you know, hanging out at uh, uh, the, the Mexican restaurant. And I've, I've seen them when they're relaxed. I know their hearts and they would want to know if they were missing guys and even alienating them in some cases by how the message is conveyed. And so I just want that blue collar perspective to be known of like, they have a language, they have a culture, they have a place that they live and you've got to raise up indigenous leaders from that demographic or they're an unreached people group. And so that's, the angle I've been looking at it and trying to um, couch my, my points and what I noticed. And what I find fascinating um, when we were, again, we, we talked about this earlier today and, and I love your wife. Oh, she's been one of my, she's been a really, really good friend. I would say I'm one of my best of friends. Well. <laughs> she's been like one of my best friends of high since high school. And I, I honestly don't have a single a lot of my good high school memories, she is always somewhere either dead center or, or on the fringe of it. But um, she was saying she she made a very good point. And it's actually one thing I do talk about on my podcast quite a bit um, is is men's rights, because, you know, the whole subversion of masculinity and everything and of men. Yeah. Um, uh, uh. She made a good point, though, that like churches catered mainly to women because and you even kind of said it yourself, like focus on the family. They they tend to interview more the single mom or the stay at home mom. And and every once in a while, they'll have a dad um, and they have men. But but more yeah. often than not, it's yeah, it's, it's a mom blog or something recently at least the last uh, couple of months they've had like couples on yeah it'll be a husband wife team doing some like marriage uh marriage thing or whatnot gee i wonder um, if that has anything to do with the corona baloney and with the lockdowns no i 
I don't know. I know earlier they were doing a bunch of replays or whatnot, or like a best of collection. Um, but they, they do that whenever they're like taking a break. Um, but it's, it's, it is interesting. So the reason churches, I think skew more feminine is because they, uh, this, this is outside of my books, uh, especially. So just so I'm making it clear, I'm not talking from data points and research right now. Um, no. But in, in generalities, though, women um, favor security and it's it's the kids being there that really like cements it. There's a reason a construction site is considered a manly place. And it's because it is a dangerous and B you're, you're going to have cussing and you're going to have uncomfortable topics that are just brought up and discussed yep. candidly and made fun of like in a godless way, a lot of times, but <laughs> those things can't happen. Everybody understands fully. You can't have that around kids. You can't have running power tools or exposed electrical wiring around kids at all. Uh, Cause they're just going to put it in their mouth. It's everybody knows yeah. this. Or they're and going then, to touch the blade because they see it spinning and they want yeah. to know how it works. It or, might. or pick up the soldering iron because they thought it was an electric screwdriver and, and then have third degree burns on three of their fingertips for two or three or, weeks. I was six, you but, you know, we learned things. Eight so, years old, we see a power washer and we didn't realize that it would shred the skin off of our siblings. Mm-hmm. Arm. Nice. <laughs> Didn't happen to my kids. It happened to one of my friends. It was like, okay. Power washers. I, I wouldn't have thought of that one being the, that's the sleeper. That's the sleeper bet for the, the hospital visit. The yeah. soldering iron is the obvious one. <laughs> Power yeah. washer. Um, anyway. And then, um, but, but their, their minds too, right? Their developing minds need to be preserved from harsher ideas and harsher speech. Uh, until they become more robust as they they mature Uh, and so when as soon as you make it a place for children men have to now walk on eggshells and can't just relax and when they can't relax they're not going to feel like they belong or feel like they fit Uh, and so it, it creates that that atmosphere because everything has to be okay for kids um one of the things to make blue collar guys feel more welcome is uh as just an idea for pastors is find somewhere or some place or some, uh, some study or a Bible study or something where dirty boots and dirty words are, are okay. Um, not like everybody falls differently on whether or not it's immoral. Um, our modern concept of taboo words is a modern concept uh, yes. and, and doesn't exactly exist, but it is coarse. It is vulgar. It is not um, good. And um, you're not inviting, you know, positive influences into your life by speaking that way aggressively, constantly. Um, and so it, it's better to not cuss, but cussing happens, and uh, especially with strong emotion. But having a place where, as a pastor, you're like, this guy's bigger stuff in his life than you know how many times he says "darn," um, and and having a format where, like, no, let's just talk. And you're like, no, I'm effing angry at God right now because of whatever in my finance or, you know, the, my wife is doing this and I can't believe, like, just be okay. You know, get a soundproof room or, you know, do that, that Bible study at, you know, Denny's at four in the morning or something. Yeah. Right. Um, like Sherry's on the West coast. 
you know, fine. But, but as, as an example of a way um, of trying to engage or meet your, your blue collar uh, congregants where they're at is, is give them a space so they can just relax and be crass and, and uncomfortable and, you know, not have to worry about getting mud all over the, the church stuff because they came there right after work. So they're still half covered in drywall dust. Um, make a make a space. I ain't saying a safe space because it sounds so stupid and Nancy, but, you know, have an area where you're going to keep the church safe from them and they can they can know that they've got that room to just relax and let it out. You know. Kind of. Kind of like um, what you hear missionaries say all the time and, and, and what you hear um, people that wish that they can go on missionaries, like, man, you're in the trenches. Well, there are trenches here. That... Right. You make, make a little cordon off a little trench area. We're like, <laughs> oh, that Bible study's going on. Yeah, let's make sure the kids ministry is a little farther away. And here's yeah, an yeah, idea. get a little loud in there. <laughs> yeah. Or and like, here's an idea, too, because I know that um, churches. Um, tend to certain churches i know that the one that i went to in in northern wisconsin when i lived there for a few years um they always had like some outdoor project that they were always like like some kind of um, beautification that was going on like that that would be like a perfect um like work work is the biggest thing too because so many so many people like oh we need an outreach uh let's have another bible study I, give people a purposeful thing to do. And uh, like, once again, you don't, it, it, um, no, not once again, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the, the spot in the book is why I was, I said again, anyway, <laughs> you don't want to give somebody work that they already kind of do. Um, you can make a space for them to volunteer it. Um, but like that plumber in the congregation is going to be probably the first person to mow widow Johnson's yard. Exactly. Or, um, you like- know, or, just like take her trash out or something, but, but give it purposeful. Cause a lot of churches, they'll have a list of shut-ins. The pastor has to go visit. Yeah. Um, those shut-ins shouldn't have to ever pay a handyman. If you have a men's ministry at your church, no shut-in at your church should have to pay for a handyman. You should have the, the youth group out there with the men's ministry acting together to just like randomly descend on that widow's home. And, you know, WD 40, the hinges, make sure none of the sinks leak, change the bulbs. Yeah. And Um, like um, there, there were a couple of when I was homeless for, I'm still homeless for a church right now um, that I would actually want to attend regularly because there's some subversion, which is a topic for another day. (laughs) But, but, um, but there are, and there's an active uh, socialist infiltration of the evangelical churches. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a shame, but it's, it's spreading. It's, it's so insidious, but yeah, it's, and it's, and it's a thing. Yeah, it is a thing. And it's, it's a very real thing that actually turns a lot of people off from the church. And that's where like (laughs) some people, the moment that you say that you're a Christian, all of a sudden they're like, Oh man, we got to watch what we say. We got to watch what we, what we do. And, and sometimes I'll have people look at me and go, yeah, you're not a Christian. It's like, because why? (laughs) Well, you, you tend to cuss like a sailor. You had an interesting past where you, again, part one of this talked about like, man, I've worked a lot of odd jobs and 
but yep. but there's a lot of people that even if you don't have the background that I have and and particularly for men there's just not a lot of engagement out there and it's and it's so weird because when they do an outreach program it's it's more what I've seen at the few churches that I went to in Washington heart is in the right place but it's to get people to come. It's like outreach instead of yeah to, to get them to come to the church. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing too. When you get a blue collar guy, I, I mentioned it in the culture chat. I, I, um, I, I outlined blue collar culture. One of the things that we ask is what do I do? Um, because on a, on a job site, when I'm building stuff, I have a clear course of action and that course of action has an end goal. Uh, pastors, the way they articulate the gospel is you accept Jesus into your heart. So you pray the sinner's prayer. And then you come to church every Sunday until you die. And that's it. That's the entirety of Christianity. And maybe you get a little morally better in the meantime. And then that's it. And that's, and, and. But what do I do? Oh, but salvation isn't by works. Yeah, I get it. I'm not an idiot. I understand. But what do I do? Oh, nothing. You keep showing up to church and giving us money, I guess. Oh, but what do I do? I just give you money. What are you doing with the money? Well, I get a bigger church and more people show up to give me money. Yeah. Join. Okay. But what, what do I do? What's the purpose? What's the point? Yeah. What do I do? What's the point? What does it build to? Yeah. Join a minute. So that's why you've got shut-ins everywhere. You've got one of the, there's a ministry up um, in this area with the assemblies of God that uh, it's called extreme church makeover. They named it after that silly show. Yeah. Um, But we go to churches that are, small and just starting some of them have been church plants in the last year everything shut down with the stupid corona baloney but they usually do about three or four a year and uh or two a year they do two every year one in the in the spring and one in the fall and they we just like 20 25 volunteers descend on this little church and the uh, the district uh, denomination comes in and pays for material and the host church just has to feed us and provide us with lodging, which usually is sleeping bags in the church. Yeah. Or um, sometimes the the people at the church will put us up in their homes if the church is in like uh, uh, the row houses in Baltimore, um, <clears throat> which we we did a couple of those now. Uh, but you, we, we showed up and we did stuff. We built it. And it's just cool to see as you're doing it. You're like, this is a Sunday school cl- class. People are coming here to learn about the Bible. And there are lights and there's heaters now because I was here. Um, and it, it gives us sense of meaning and, and purpose to your work as a Christian is you're like, I did this for Jesus. I've got this that I, people can now come here and learn about God more easily, warm in good lighting, you know, with, with running water and toilets and a coffee machine, depending on you know, what work a guy was doing, or there's a flooring guy that always comes out and he just comes out and he starts slamming flooring down. So the floors look nice and clean and level and are, are easily clean for the volunteers and stuff. And they look good. Um, yeah. There's a, some guys that come out and do ceiling grid and they, they knock out some ceiling grid and throw up some tiles. And they're like, <laughs> like real estate guys and stuff that just know some handyman and they learn to do ceiling grid and they just got really good at it. So they show up and they just, boom, they'll knock out some ceiling grid. Uh, and it's all this work for a purpose. And it, it gives you, um, that sense of meaning we were talking about in the, in the last one, that sense of meaning derived from physical labor you get now also attached to that meaning of it's, it's for Christ. I'm working for Christ 
and I'm doing it because I am a Christian and I'm seeking to be like Christ. I'm seeking to serve others. And in this meaningful way of giving people that don't know God, might not know God yet, a, a, a place that they can be, you know, out of the elements, comfortable, good lighting. So they have no excuse then to not be able to crack their Bible and start trying to figure it out and start trying to meet God on their own. Yeah. And, 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 and talking about like, and talking about purpose and meaning and, um, and the cultural part of your book, that's one thing too, to, um, in culture, what they're finding with, with a lot of people when they, when they poll and they ask like the younger, the younger, um, Gen Z and even the younger end of the millennials, right? That weird transition between Gen Z and millennial, um, age gap, age group, because it is, it is, it's that weird gap. There's always that weird transitional gap where they'll eventually come up with their own name, but. (laughs) Yeah, I, um, I, I don't approve of everything that he does. He's a aggressively liberal, but he hits some funny stuff. Uh, Adam, Adam ruins everything. Yes. From a true channel or whatever. He does one that uh, millennials don't exist. Yeah. Is, is the, the thing to YouTube, but he, he basically is like, they're all just people. And he pulls a bunch of quotes out of the 1800s that sound like they were written yesterday about millennials. And he's like, this isn't new. It's old people versus young people. And we're all just people. Yes. I remember that one. Oh my gosh. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it is, it's great. It's you, you guys listening. If you haven't, if you haven't heard that you're or read or watched that one, it's worth a watch to, to reframe how you understand generations. He straight up pulls newspaper articles out of the 1800s that are just like these young kids today, everything's handed to them. They expect it right now. They're not willing to work. They didn't have what we had. They don't know. Like it's, it sounds like a baby boomer complaining about a millennial, but it's from 1850 or something. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's nothing new under the sun guys. Boom. Ecclesiastes back to it. Boom. Exactly. It's the best book. It's one of the best books. If, if, even if you're not religious and you're listening to this, like guys, I'm telling you, if there's, if there's at least one book that I can recommend, um, it is definitely Ecclesiastes. <laughs> it is amazing. Full of amazing. Random books. tidbit. Even amongst the, uh, even amongst the philosopher, the ancient Greek philosophers, it was known. Uh, they knew of the Hebrew scriptures and they all acknowledged that there was a lot of wisdom and understanding and philosophy within the, the Bible that, that was acknowledged as like an ancient source um, it's also argued by Augustine that um, there was a Jewish community in uh, Egypt because they had fled from Jerusalem. And Plato, at some point in his wanderings, goes through uh, Egypt in, in, uh, in his, his personal travels, I guess. And uh, Augustine makes the case that he was uh, influenced a little bit by the, the locals to to come up with uh, some of the conclusions that he reaches on the way the world works. Huh. So fun, fun, random tidbit. That see, and I love little tidbits like that. I love yeah. things history. Augustine accredits it to it. Well, it's in, yeah. Was it Augustine um, city of God? He accredits it to ja, Jeremiah specifically. Um, but then he realizes in a later book, he corrects himself because he had the dates wrong on the timeline and Jeremiah would have been dead probably a hundred, 200 years by the time Plato came through. 
Um, but he still made the argument that it, it holds up because there was a Jewish community then established by Jeremiah and those refugees that um, Plato would have easily had a ch chance to come in contact with as he moved through that area. And it, it, it explains some of the places that Plato seemed to have got things right from a Christian perspective. That's seeing that stuff. That's cool. So, yes, I love, I love, love how, see, even so, so discussions intersect and have weird overlaps and history has intersections and overlaps. So it's, it's almost like people are, uh, have been the same for thousands of years uh, uh, without, without any significant change. No, no. Our uh, arrogance uh, makes us think that all the people of the past were just these crazy kooks that had no idea what was really going on. Dude, <laughs> uh, it's worth, it's worth uh, searching ancient hammer and look at the oldest version of a claw hammer you can find. It goes back to, uh, I think it was like 100 BC or something. I found like a Roman iron claw hammer. You could have picked it up at Home Depot today. It looks, it's basically unchanged. You can find pictures of ancient Egyptians using hand saws that look like something you could pick up at Home Depot today. Very little has changed. Yeah, that's like a- in, uh, Some of the fundamental things. Well, it uh, the first agitating, um, speaking of historical things, the, the first um, agitating washer for clothes, <laughs> being my weird gotcha. history on laundry, was actually invented and produced in the 1700s. Nice. It was a milk stool nice. that was, it was, it was packaged and sold as a milk stool with a handle with two little um, hand grips on a crossbar and, and the milk stool, the, the pegs of the milk stool of the milking stool was put into a keg and it had a lid and then you would just stand there and it was in like a major chest and um, an ab workout. And, and actually before the 1800s, they actually added a hand crank onto some of those. So nice. So I had I had a little hand washer for a while. Um, you can you can ask my wife about it. Uh, but yeah, we we had one of those for for a little while. But you could wash like a single pair of pants in or something. It would sit on like a, a countertop, and you could you turned it with a hand crank. It would, it would tumble tumble wash. Which. That's funny. Yeah, which it's really it's really kind of odd that like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, man, if you want to do like um, no waste and and you want to save energy, they have those hand crank washers for camping and stuff um, on yeah, Amazon. Yeah. And I've seen with the Coroni Baloney, a lot of people like because because they they don't have their work right now, they don't have their jobs. Um, so they're trying to find any way to save a, to save a buck. So they'll invest in one of those and they act like it's a new invention. And it's like, it's actually been around yeah. since like yeah. the 17, like, I think, oh gosh, there's this lady, she's amazing. And she actually gave the, the original date of like the first one that we are aware of, um, and it was like, again, it was before the revolution. 
and it was um That's so cool yeah it was like 1750 1730 between 1730 and 1750 and it it was just and it's amazing because it's like people i see people using these things and they're like it's really cool and you can hang dry and you can spin it and and then you just hang dry and it's the best way and if you use this organic uh laundry detergent and blah 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 and they act like it's the newest thing and it's like it's not and then and then again that show that i was watching with my with my son about um about homes and kitchen stuff like a lot of victorian sorry that was that was a very very rowdy husky puppy (laughs) i have a very busy household even when all the kids go to bed um but yeah watching like the the kitchen stuff like the victorians and what they had was like amazing and it all looks like stuff that you can buy today somebody somebody was um was talking about like the toaster and how you know who when did the they they were making some point about um toasters and and who would have invented the toaster and like how do you even think of that and uh i i was immediately like this person has no context of history yeah there's a youtube we keep plugging like a random youtube channel it's called townsend and sons youtube townsend and sons and this guy specializes in like 1800s era cooking and he's got an episode where he shows you like two or three different toasters they were made out of wrought iron and they hold a single slice of bread and you set it next to the fire and it's got a little hinge on it so you can grab it and flip the bread around and then keep back to what you're doing the it's it's a effectively a toaster then once you're able to have electrical heat then you're like oh cool i just instead of the fire i do the same mechanism but i put an electrical heater then right next to the bread and you get um one of our bible college professors had the first line of toasters that came out you had to flip the toast halfway through that is um it, it only had one heating element on one side so you had to lay the toast in like this little door and it laid down flat over the heating element and then halfway through you had to pull it open and turn your bread around and close it back that is absolutely amazing like oh and um and the the one that i was watching with my son it it's a four part or well there's we made it to episode 4 and each episode is about 58 to 60 minutes long um so it's about wow. an hour long if walls could talk the history of the home and, and actually we talked about where hogwash came from and the upper crust was actually up. Oh, sorry. I was, I was thinking of the, I was thinking of the, the, the trenches. The... Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how that actually, that actually comes from, cause I also love the history of sayings. Like where did this saying come from? Where, and I love how my kids, I get annoyed when they ask like, mom, why do we call it this? Or where did this come from? And then I realize like they're a hundred percent my little mimics because yes, like. Yeah. I, I want to know, right. Where did it come from? Right. There's a bunch of stuff that comes from the King James Bible. Like I was reading, I, I stumbled across it in Job one time where he said, I escaped by the skin of my teeth. And I was like, that's from a Bible thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is the season. Tis the season. Uh, random Bible trivia bit that is almost entirely unknown. 
the uh, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's a Bible verse. Yes. Not only is that a Bible verse, that's from red letter text in the book of Acts, buried in like chapter 20, 22 to 24, somewhere in there. It's when Paul's on his way back to uh, Jerusalem and he knows he's going to get arrested and sent to Rome. Um, and everybody's like crying and they're like, no, we want to keep. And he's like, it's more blessed to give himself than to receive. And, it, you know, in the words of our Lord, and he quotes it like a popular saying that Jesus had. And it's like a little half a verse in red letter text in the middle of the book of Acts. So cool. Also really cool, too, because everybody thinks that Abraham Lincoln was the original um, person. <sighs> a house divided. And cannot stand. It's when Jesus is casting out demons yeah. and the audience would have known that. Like that was an intentional scripture reference to clue in with the audience. I hate when people cite abraham lincoln i'm just like no he's quoting the bible yeah his audience knew he was quoting the bible like they're they're all in there stop it right like i but i mean it's it's funny because your wife and i um when we when we have our little talks throughout the week it's always just puns puns for days too throughout throughout the bible like just dude god god loves puns because he had to have, when the scriptures were written in Hebrew, have worded them in such a way that eventually they would play out in English. <laughs> so that the pun was literally hidden for thousands of years until you finally have an English version of the Bible for Proverbs. I forget where it's at, but the proverb is, why is there money in the hand of a fool to buy wisdom when he has no sense? Right? That's, yes. Oh my gosh. I it's amazing. That is the. It's amazing. Ah. Uh, that's that's word for word the Bible verse. I just don't remember the reference for the life of me, but it's in. Uh, yeah, and it's it's sense s e n s e right. It's the yeah. one that's for common sense, not c e n t. But but like linguistically, that pun didn't exist when that line was written. But God knows everything, so He clearly wrote that pun into the Bible on purpose, but only for English because we're special. <laughs> right. He knew that it was going to be the common language eventually, but it's so great. Yeah. Common but it's so good. It's amazing. And I just, I love stuff like that. And and you can say that sort of stuff without getting super preachy and you're and like your non-Christian friends are just like, wait, what? And you're like, Nothing. here's my thing. The, the definition of preachy in our culture is so asymmetrical. Yes. Um, they can sit there and drone on about their spirit and chakras and their horoscope. Atheists will believe anything. Chris. Um, you know, they'll, they'll sit there and like, I have to sit here and just not say anything while you rant on for hours about how we came from a bunch of naked monkeys billions of years ago. Um, you're not going to answer the question where life comes from. You're not going to answer the question that there are clear discrepancies in um, the, the fossil record or non-existent chunks of the fossil record that you insist are there, but aren't. Um, I mean, we on the Nova special on Lucy shows the guy modifying the pelvis with a Dremel to make it fit right for their theory. It shows that like, uh, you're not hiding it guys, please. It's insulting. 
But the moment like we mention a Bible verse or I say the name of Jesus, you're like, are you preaching to me? Now, listen, if I had a turban here and I started talking about the benefits of Sikhism and how I have to carry a knife everywhere and a beard comb, you'd be like, oh, yeah, oh, of course. Um, But because you think you already know what the Bible says, I am suddenly preaching an offensive. That's that's an insane double standard. Right. (laughs) Like I just So let me. Let me reference a Bible verse or you're going to shut up about your horoscope. That's, that's where we're at. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's where it comes down to. And it, and I find myself because I'm um, surrounded more by, I guess, um, I I find myself surrounded by a lot of non-Christian friends that just like, again, it's always that shock of like, wait, you're Christian. It's like, Yeah. Like, just because I don't constantly thump a Bible and just because I'll, I'll do, I'll walk, I'll, I'll walk with some queens, with some drag queens and I'm not going to judge. I actually want to listen and, and I just want to get to know you as a person and not to judge you and tell you how you're living in sin. No, it's just honestly, okay, interesting. Yeah, I, that's the thing is it's not. Like from a spiritual level, they know what they're doing is wrong. They know in their heart of hearts, down in their soul, something's off, something's broken, something's not right. Um, but that's that's all they know how to do is is what they are. And like the moment it's mentioned that you're a Christian, you're like, yeah, I think that's a sin. Okay, like that. Did you catch on fire? No. Okay. Did I catch on fire? No. Okay. Well then, so what else do you want to talk about? Yeah. Are Are you still a <laughs> Well, you're homophobic and you're transphobic. Um, no, because I'm still talking to you. I didn't run away screaming. I just like just so we're clear, that's where I stand. It's wrong. Um, you're defiling yourself. It's it's sad, but you know what? I'm not going to stop you with like a gun or something. We're just hanging out. Yeah, and and I still think that you. Do you want to get coffee? Like, what's what's going on? Do you see the game on Friday? Like that. Like, yeah. Once they know where you stand on it. I mean, I'm not going to like scream and shout at you. It's, it is what it is. Yeah. And are you going to change? No. Am I going to change? No. Okay. It, right. So did you see the game on Friday? You didn't answer. Yeah. Like, hey, are you still coming to D&D? Like, what, what's going on? Yeah. Like, yeah. Wait. Are you, are you, are you going with uh, the pally or you want to try out that sort build you were talking about? Well, how come we're not talking about like, so you think that uh, what I'm doing is an abomination and I'm, and I'm living in sin. Um, well, if it bothers you, then why? I think you need to ask yourself why, but no. I mean, if you, if you came, if you came from, if you're just a naked monkey that came from some other naked monkeys, thousands of years, billions of years ago or whatever, like you shouldn't have a problem with that. You shouldn't care what I think at all. No, It doesn't matter what I think. Um, but if, you know, a thousands year old book says something is wrong and suddenly you're upset in your spirit and you can't sleep at night, maybe there's a little more to that. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. What do I know? But I, so are you trying to stork build or what? Right. Like I'm not, I'm not a pastor here. I, I'm not, I would not consider myself like the authority on this, but, um, and I really don't care because I still love you and I still respect you and you're still an amazing person. But can we please talk D&D because this campaign has got to move on. So yeah. are you joining or are you not? <laughs> like that's 
Yeah. And you, you let the, the Holy Spirit's the one that's going to do that work on them. You just make the introduction like, and, you know, do your best. And then it's in that proximity. God's, God's got the timing. He'll work out on it. But yeah, it's important they know where you stand. But then it's just like, okay. Like that. Life, life goes on. I mean, you know where I'm at. I know where you're at. Yeah. And it, it reminds me of the parable of um, the wealthy young Lord, right? where Jesus is sitting there, this wealthy young Lord comes to him and, and he just is like, man, I've got everything you could ever want. And yet Jesus helped me. I've, I've listened to, I've listened to your teachings and everything. And I want, and I want in and I want to know more and I want to feel fulfilled. And Jesus looks at him and, you know, kind of, I'm paraphrasing here, but Jesus, you know, looks at him and goes, you know, the whole, well, give everything up and follow me. Oh yeah. Sell everything to the poor yep. um, or sell all that you have, give the money to the poor and uh, follow me. And the wealthy young Lord just kind of stops and very ashamedly kind of goes, Oh, I don't think I can. And he walks and he starts to walk away. And the apostles like a oh, hard pass. Yeah. And the apostles are like, Hey, why, why are you letting him walk away? Chase after him. And Jesus is like, let us wash the dust of this town from our feet and move on. Like the seed has been planted. It's up to, it's up to him. Free will and free choice. It's a thing. It's a very real thing that is respected whether you agree or disagree. And, and that's. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's the other thing too, though, is there is the standard though of the, there is a standard of sin. And so Jesus is dealing with different people. Like he tells them go and sin no more. Like he loved them. He met them where they were at, but then like Mary Magdalene doesn't keep living that lifestyle yeah. afterwards. She, she's called out of it. Um, so it's, it's, it's a very delicate balance. It, um, as a correctional officer, it's one of those where, oh that was so hard that was so hard trying to like exhibit the love of christ but at the same time like know that i i need to keep this weird sort of clinical distance yeah it, uh, and it's like and it's like that one i being a female and a correctional officer and being um what people would call empathetic not that i'm an empath but just empathetic and and some sometimes i can't empathize with you but but with most people, I've, I've, I've been there and I've, and I've done, I've been places and I've done things, not, not drugs. I'm sorry. I couldn't get into drugs or alcohol. That's the one thing that I couldn't do. But, but there's been some other things. <laughs> and again, we stray. It happens. As long as you come back, it's fine. And yeah. And I've known. The point is the car's in the shop. That's that's the whole point of being a Christian. You're not you're never going to have arrived. You know, some of us are a little farther down the road than others, but just be on the road and be moving in the right direction. And that's yeah, we're all a different. Yeah, we all have some of us had to take the long way round. So and those, but those are the those are the most solid ones, too, though. Um, You know, you get to like the prodigal son and the son that didn't stray like you you look at the prodigal son, he doesn't like, he goes, no, I know it's over there. I'm not going back. Yeah. That's, that's stupid. Like I've, no, I've seen things, man. Don't, don't go over there. Stay, stay over here where it's safe. Yeah. And um, you know, like, like Aragorn in the, in the, the inn at Bree, 
uh, he's got all the all the people in town are like, oh, that guy, we he's some ruffian and scout, and you know they tough talk him. You know, I think at some point some some folks uh, in the in the books trying to uh, disparage him. At one point, he's just like, you guys don't even know. It's your safe little town. <laughs> just, <laughs> just stay. You don't know what kind of monsters I keep in the woods for you. Just <laughs> stay in your safe little town. Yeah, like like it was, it's good for you. It's safe for you here. It's good. It, it's like everybody that wasn't a hobbit actually was like, is it okay for us to take these hobbits out of out of the Shire? <laughs> like, are we yeah. are we doing something that we shouldn't be doing? Is this okay? Because like, no no they're so pure and they're so cute yeah. and we just we don't want to corrupt them can we just keep them yeah. how they are for, uh, for the for the kingdom analogy right that yeah. it's like if aragorn could just move into the shire and stay there he's like this is amazing and they're like yeah we're getting bored with it and he's like no you don't want to see what's out there <laughs> just this is good we need to stay here yeah like you guys like like gandalf no Let's not, please. And, he, and Gandalf is like, no. no, they're the only ones that can withstand the pull of the ring. Is this cute little hobbit? Yeah. <laughs> it's always the 11th hour thing. Yeah. So, sorry, guys, we got to do this. I know I know you might have some moral quandaries about this, but um, but we got to do this. And, and you'll, you don't know the reasons why until... until they come to fruition but trust me we have to do this <laughs> yeah but yeah man. but or people have been there and done that make the strongest christians though you're not you're not gonna fool them they don't get tricked yeah and it, oh. and, and and being a female it, it, it was really hard being um and i still love corrections and i and i really want to go back to it after some personal things are done in my life um yeah but but it was just one of those where like all the other officers all the other peers thought that i was like really soft and it's like guys i know that this isn't the pound puppies okay you can't save them all it's not like pokemon you can't collect them all you can't save them all but at least you can show them some human respect and some dignity at the very least even if you i know what some of these people are here for <laughs> and, and trust me yeah yeah there's there's a mix the worldly side of me is just very much uh, just i need to take a shower in acid thanks and yeah you just gotta keep them at emotionally you keep them at that arm's distance yeah but i knowing that the to some degree the the system is is at work for them i still think long-term confinement is is cruel and unusual but that's and it doesn't it actually problems with the criminal justice system are, are manifold and and there's no there's no easy answer for for any of it but no there really isn't it's not black and white like people think and um no i i'm a fan of the um i forget the word for it but basically physical physical punishment um like if you gave me the option of spending a year in prison or cutting off one of my arms i'd let you take the arm corporal punishment uh, it, corporal punishment is the yeah. is actually killing there's another word for physical mutilation that's not killing it i forget what it is but like 40 lashes um cutting fingers off like i think that i can get a prosthetic arm i can't get a prosthetic year of my life back 
Yeah. Minutes are priceless and irreplaceable. Um, every birthday, like the, the look on a guy's face when, when you know he got that call and he can't go to his mom's funeral. And, and he, he says he's got to check in because he's having some bad thoughts and you've got to put him in the, in the strip cell. Yeah. So he's got to spend his mom's funeral wearing a moving blanket with some Velcro on it in the shape of a dress. The turtle suit as in a, in a concrete. Yeah. In a concrete cell with a, a combination toilet and sink that we have to flush for him. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't even have access to the ability to flush inside of the cell. And then we got to check on him every five minutes. And that's, that's his life. That's how he spends his mom's funeral. Yeah. Um, like, that, one, that sucks, man. You can't. Yeah. Like one thing I've learned um, after two years in that, in that field, you can tell the women happy mother's day and they get all very, Oh, thank you. Oh, you're so nice. Um, but the moment that you say happy father's day, it's like they, some of them will say thank you, but a lot of them, like, I would say 10% of them will say thank you. And, and I was in County too. So the 10% that would say thank you, it was probably their first mess up and their first goof and they'll never goof again. But the rest of them, 90% of them, um, they would be like, don't. It's it's not. It I'm not. I'm yeah. I'm a dad, but I know that because I'm here, it, I'm not a good dad, and I don't deserve this. Or like my dad was not a very good person, so it's you know. Yeah, or they know that their kids are joining them too. Um, where I was at, they had in one of the wings, they had three generations in the same wing in the same house. There's a um, there's a family grandfather son. Um, yeah, it was, it was three, three generations um, at any given time. There's this, there's this family in town that like, unfortunately everybody knows the name. And at any given time, there's at least five to seven of them, male, female, generational in there. And it's like, is this the kind of the running joke was, are you guys just having a, Oh, it must be the family reunion. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. And it's see, that's, that's where I'm like those, it would be less inclined to happen if that father was at home missing a couple fingers and, you know, kids ask and they're like, dad, where those fingers go? I <laughs> robbed a liquor store and, and got caught. Oh, okay. The kid's going to remember it, it's going to leave an impact, but not if, you know, he keeps to, you know, come visit and he grows up without a dad effectively. Um, that's the reason it's so systemic. And that's the reason it gets those behavior patterns get entrenched in small communities is because, fatherless generations breed fatherless generations it's it's cyclical mm-hmm. and um almost like god made families to function in a very specific way anyway yeah. what does he know right yeah um, that, that is definitely an episode that i would love to deep dive into particularly with um your wife and my fiance at some point because Especially um, family, like the, the family structure and the way it, it contributes to um, oh yeah social social cohesion or lack thereof, depending. Yep, it's particularly with what um, after after everything wraps with my fiance and myself, um, there's some insight into this that yeah I would I would love to deep dive into. <laughs> That's cool. 
So if it, we're, we're getting in on hour three, I think yeah. <laughs> we can call it a wrap. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so like the, particularly though, like the, to wrap it up um, and, and bring it all back, like um, your podcast and like your YouTube channel and, and you like your internet presence and footprint. Oh, just, you just want me to recap the, the stuff I'm, that I'm doing? Um, um, yeah, ev- eventually, but real quick, just like how it's more towards yeah. men's ministry, which is awesome. And, and again, like the, the blue collar blind spot. And it, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's um, the blue collar blind spot is a couple of, um, a couple of important elements to it. So first off, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, effectively unreached um, in the, in the ways that we had mentioned, but through language and cultural differences that aren't aware of, there's a calendar difference that, um, you know, a lot of blue collar guys uh, work very early in the morning and they can't be out very late because, you know, I got to wake up at three. I can't still be at church at nine 30 trying to round up my kids to get home pastor. I'm sorry. Um, and then uh, there, anybody who works on weekends, can't go to church if you work evenings and or weekends you you almost can't go to church um and so that's that's a consideration that's not made but these are important considerations because the uh we had mentioned millennials right they're going to skew blue collar in a in a bit here and the the future belongs to those who show up for it and so if you can use your blue collar outreach not only are you reaching what's going to become a larger percentage of the younger generation moving forward I think in about um, probably another five years or so, you start to see a, a larger boom towards uh, move towards blue collar uh, trades and industry, um, uh, tax environment permitting and stuff. Construction yeah. is always sort of the driving force in there. But um, the uh, the other thing is that it's uh, going to it's sort of one stop shopping in that direction because it, it's also a men's ministry. Uh, direction uh vector or whatever you want to sound uh, buzzwordy if you if you look at the numbers um i want to make this fast but pew research did us uh several studies and when you when you cross-reference that stuff uh there's about a seven percent uh gap between men and women i don't want to talk in gender gaps but it's just for the if you assume an ideal 50 50 split there's a seven percent uh, attendance gap between men and women in uh, church, according to the, the Pew Research study. Mm-hmm. So that means there are 7% less men than women uh, in church. Add to that, there's another 7% uh, the, of the percentage of men that are actually showing up, 7% less are going to engage in church. So those are um, things that we're talking about. Um, uh, attending church at least once a week. Um, talking about, uh, I'm trying to flip through some of the stuff. Oh yeah, just believing the Bible is the word of God. Believing God exists. Believing the Bible is a source for moral truth. Um, you, you, you maintain that um five to seven percent gap in a, all of these different metrics of i articulate all of them but all these different metrics of engagement so not only are there fewer men showing up there are, there's a smaller percentage of that men that are actually engaging um 
fully into the into the church service uh, or the services provided, you know, showing up to prayer meetings in the middle of the week, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so they're they're under engaged and they're under attending. Um, now, when you're looking at that through a blue collar lens, uh, about 13 percent of all jobs are blue collar and 80 percent using the uh, Department of uh, Labor Statistics. Um, and it's the way they track blue collar. 80, 79, just shy of 80% of those jobs are um, men. It's an 80% male career field. Now, the way DPOR tracks it is if you work at a construction business, so everybody in HR, everybody in sales, uh, everybody in the office work, HR aggressively skews female just because women tend to care about people and taking care of people. Yeah. It's the way God hardwired them. It's why uh, the healthcare field will always skew on the nursing side. It will always skew female. Yes. Um, because women just, they care about people and it's, it's almost like God designed them to take care of little people that are helpless. Yeah. <clears throat> you know? It, yeah. Being a mom, I understand. Anyway. <laughs> I, I, anyway, I'm just saying my body doesn't come equipped to make food. Um, so it's, it's an 80% male, probably more than that, when you, if you were removing the office workers from that percentage. Um, I've, I've, met, I've met like one female electrician in, in five years as an electrician. I've met one female electrician. Um, you, you, you have basically what is a pre-targeted group of young men that are going to, to bolster your church when you learn to target blue collar um, as a, as a intentional target of your ministry. Um, it's a, uh, it's a, around 15 million men when you run the numbers on us population, 13%, 80% of that 13%, um, around, around 15 million men, uh, that you can directly target by just adjusting some of your messaging, adjusting some of your, your times and schedules to, uh, to sort of intentionally target uh, blue collar, uh, another thing is it, it also, uh, one of the Pew studies I found has, uh, people in that category are more likely to drive farther to go to a church and they go to a church because, uh, they're more likely to go to a church for volunteer opportunities. Uh, so they're not going just to a church that's close for a good message, but they're going to, they'll be willing to drive farther to a good church that they can volunteer at. Yep. Uh, it's like one-stop shopping for pastors if you can target blue collar, and uh, and and have a have a knack to do it well in in the community that um, that uh, that has that. So that's uh, that's basically the flag I'm waving right now is just trying to um, get pastors to look and say, hey, you're you're accidentally ignoring blue collar, um, or if you're not, good on you, man. Yeah. Uh, make sure other pastors are are getting on point too. Um, one cool thing that I uh, came across was one pastor out of um, Missouri had uh, he actually commissioned his uh, he, he had a, a heavily blue collar community and he got them. He, he did a whole study on the meaning and purpose of work, how their job, even if they're putting dog food labels on on cans, um, that's it's a part of God's creative act in the world. And he really kind of framed the way that they work as reflecting the image and nature of God 
and participating in God's creative act in the world, um, even in small, simple tasks and having that sense of renewed sense of purpose, they were then um, commissioned to be missionaries from that church to their workplace. So like they commissioned, you know, like you're now a missionary to Walmart from this church and they made it official and they like laid on hands and stuff and prayed over them. And they're like, you're our church's missionary to that Walmart. You're our church's missionary to the dog food factory. That's awesome. It was amazing. That, and that does like real quick, that does give like that sense of purpose and it does make you, because I don't know if it was in, in the beginning part of this, this second part, or if it was in the first part where it's like, um, you know, people wish to be missionaries if, if they do go to church and stuff, because, you know, it's like, oh, you get to go to cool, exotic places and, and you get to do what, what we consider mainstream really that's that's the whole thing right is you you you're like oh well as a christian now i need to be a pastor i need to be a missionary i need to i need to do the i need to work in church and you're like no church is people church is reaching out god made me a good electrician i dropped out of bible college i started bible college thinking i needed to be a missionary then found out that these missionary classes didn't weren't quite what i i did and i was like well let me just dig into the bible the nuts and bolts of it the the language and the the commentaries and all this stuff. And let me see and figure it out. And then I was like, no, I can't sit around and write books that consider other people's arguments when their arguments are stupid. <laughs> right. um, I wasn't, I wasn't cut out for it. It's just not my wheelhouse. Um, that's why my book is less than a hundred pages and has four appendixes is because I do like, I, it is concise as possible and is nothing but footnotes. Um, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty easy read. I think I, I, I did my best to keep it engaging. Um, yeah, but I I always err on the side of concise, solid footnotes. Um, I'm a better electrician, right? I wanted to just be able to hand a blueprint to a pastor because they're busy, and I'm just like, here, skim this, and uh, you're good, bud. You know, use it as a reference later, and uh, that's fine. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm called to be an electrician. God made me good at being an electrician. Like this is, I, I started doing it, and I was like, I would do this for free. Like if I, if I didn't have to worry about any income, I would find, always find a way to be an electrician, even though I was just volunteering to help people out. Yep. And you just need to find, you know, find what you're good at, find what you enjoy, learn to enjoy where God put you. Um, You know, even though it's not like you're calling and it doesn't make your heart sing doing it. um, There's a lesson there for you. It's preparing you for whatever he has next. Yeah. Um, Learn, learn to, to pour yourself into it, learn to learn, you know, what, it, what is the lesson? Find the lesson in it, right? We, we talked about work is, is a curse, but it was given by God. It's a punishment to teach us. A punishment is something that's unpleasant to teach you a lesson. Yeah. So do you run away from it crying and screaming and kicking and I hate Mondays? Or do you lean into it and you're like, no, I own you Monday. I'm going to make you Saturday. You're Saturday now, Monday. Um, yeah, like I- it's... Uh, lean into it, learn the lesson and, and you'll, um, you, you find so much fulfillment. in that. Isn't, isn't that, So that's, you know, that's the pitch. And it's kind of funny because it's like, you know, positive thinking and stuff like that, the new age movement that has also found, found its way again, the subversion of the church. Um, well, it's, uh, <laughs> this has a, so atheists will believe anything. Like yeah. I, I said that very precisely because Satan has driven our culture towards atheism. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you, there are two natural ends of atheism. One is you search for me. Humans always search for meaning for something bigger than yep. themselves. So as an atheist, you either believe the collective is bigger than yourself. So we need to make sure the collective takes care of everybody. And you wind up in this socialist nightmare scape that ruins everything and kills everyone. Uh, I.e. Venezuela. Yes. See, see Venezuela. That's my footnote. Venezuela, Cuba. That's what happens. That's the that's the end of that. Uh, the other end is you have a horrible backlash in searching for, no, there has to be some kind of supernatural element, something bigger than nature that we can't see. And then you believe anything because you have no spiritual mooring. You have no anchor or foundation for what exists beyond the natural. Uh, so whatever exists beyond the natural is whatever somebody told you last, whatever horoscope you read last, whatever that spiritist guy on the, on the TV says, whatever your Ouija board told yeah. you. Um, you're you're tossed about by the wind and waves. You have no no anchor or mooring to hold you to what is true or any kind of structured baseline. And Christianity is the only fulfilling meta narrative. <clears throat> it's the only um, it's the only uh, oh ex it's the only existentially fulfilling meta meta narrative is Christianity, biblical Christianity. It's the only one. Uh, yeah yeah i've got no argument there like it yeah it very much and it's and it's great how when you when you finally come to that conclusion it's it's actually again you can find fulfillment in in some of the most mundane tasks it's yeah, and it, it, it's kind of funny because um, because we do take a lot of our mundane tasks very, um, very much for granted. And yet and yet with all the Corona baloney, you know, it, you know, it was like what's still trending. Um, and even before the Corona baloney last year, like some of the things that have been trending are like the mundane organizing your house, getting organized that that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, organizing, minimalism, yeah, cleaning. Yeah, and, and like watching, watching people. Like, again, I've I've gotten into. I like sewing, and I like learning about um, fabrics and textiles and stuff. Um, and so, so of course, I kind of, kind of went on a weird YouTube rabbit hole and um, went down that yeah, right. But like one of the big. You're like, where did two hours go? And why do I know this much about 1800 right. making? And why did I need to know about all this? Why did I need to know that urine was one of the main ingredients in cleaning and starching and bleaching your whites in like the 1700s? I don't, I don't know where I went just now, but like, yeah. but it's like, it's like that little, how it's made interlude from Mr. Rogers got mixed with a crack addiction. And you're just like, I can't, I can't, I have to. I have a family. I can't do right. Mom, can we watch Peppa Pig? No, we need to learn more about this. <laughs> Hold on, just one. I just need one more, one more 1800s bride recipe. Okay, this one uses rye. I just, they added it's nuts. okay. I just need, I just need to look yeah, at They one added more. nuts to this, and I'm just confounded on how they did that. I just, just, you can wait like 30 minutes. 30 minutes, we're, we're good. Oh, it's bedtime. I'm so, wow, what happened? <laughs> no, but this one's a sourdough recipe. It's going to be different. Oh my gosh, like okay. sourdough. No, literally sourdough and laundry stripping. 
how to make your own um, sourdough and the best sourdough was like one of the biggest trending at the beginning of the Corona Corona baloney. And then, um, and then laundry stripping within like the last four or five months. And, and still people are still making videos on it. Like they're doing, that was also like one of the weirdest things to me when you're watching YouTube and people are posting up TikTok videos on YouTube and it's like, guys, yeah, I've seen those cross yeah. posts. It's 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 all over the all overs. I get just... I I get cross posting and everything like that, and but it's still just like I mean, if I wanted TikTok, I would watch TikTok. But it's funny how I get laundry. If I wanted the Chinese government to keep tabs on me, I'd let them. But yeah. which but... I think it's also funny when you see. So we're we're like an hour fifteen. Yeah. So- um. This has been awesome. Yes. I think, yeah, <laughs> full stop. That's yeah. You've you've heard the pitch from from my corner. I love I love random conversations. This is great. I would love random conversations about godly stuff all over the place. Right. Um, the book, if you're anybody's interested, it's at uh, followtheleader.one.one/book. Keeping it simple here, and then just all my regular stuff. You can find all find me at all the YouTube places. Um, follow the leader, Robert uh, Pearson, or um, just at follow the leader dot one. And I've got I'll, I'll get all my social links there. That'd be the place yes. to go. It has That's been it. amazing. Um, it is. It's been very long, but uh, yes. very amazing. <laughs> I'm sure your yes. wife is like seriously. I'm already passed out. It's good. We're fine. <laughs> That's right. And this is this is a thousand times better than Joe Rogan because we're not we're not drug addled atheists. So this is quality three like, hours. This is right random here. sober discussions, which get pretty Yeah. This is us sober. You nobody could handle this with any kind of inebriation. That would actually make it worse. That would impede the awesomeness happening right now. I, it would just make it so much harder to follow, I think, because yeah, anyways. <laughs> yeah no all right i would i would probably get really giggly and then uh, really ranty and then start like actually going hold on hold on let me grab my bible real quick i i don't know i don't know yeah we'll uh, definitely we'll have to do some more some more bible or applied theology stuff later Um, so anytime it's been awesome and uh, thank you for coming on godspeed no problem. Do you want me to, I'll just uh, hop out and you can do your own wrap up and yeah, all good then. Awesome. Thank you again. For, for- and again, if you guys have made it to the end of this, like epic human beings, as well as great and much love and appreciation. You guys are amazing. So I really hope that you guys enjoyed this. I really hope that you go check out some of the things that, like some of the YouTube stuff that we channeled and and also like some of the websites and, and all that. So I really do hope I've got no problems. Shamelessly plugging. I have no problems plugging other things so because you know it's all fun and it's just great and it's all information that should be shared it shouldn't be kept and hoarded no i go forth and share it into the world 
Um, yeah. And the Corona baloney and the Corona crazy. So, yeah. Uh, you know, we're all kind of freaked out and we're all just kind of trying to make it through our days. And so, yeah. Wow. I get so tired. But um, one of the one of the wonderful YouTube channels that I didn't get to um, give you guys the channel name for, um, and I just want to make sure that I give it its proper due, was like all the the seventeen hundred laundry was from Townsend's YouTube channel Townd or Townsends. T-O-W-N-S-E-N-D-S. Particularly the Historical Laundry Part 3, The Evolution of the Washing Machine. It's about seven minutes long, and it is fascinating. And, um, yeah, you guys should definitely go check it out, especially if you love history. Another one of the YouTubes. YouTubers that I don't know if I was able to like reference it properly and again I want to give it its proper reference didn't have stuff pulled up at the time don't mind me as I go through and try to find it uh yes if walls could talk the history of the home episode four Daisy Mason is the name of the channel definitely give it a look give it a listen um yeah and and definitely for sure follow mr robert pearson go find his stuff go forth check it out give it a listen and if you like it then subscribe and 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 again if you want his book um definitely go to follow the leader dot O-N-E slash book. He kept it real simple and easy. And that's, yes, that's amazing. That is fantastic. So, yeah, go check it out. Go. What are you still doing? Sitting here, listening to me, sleep deprived, rambling. Rambling like a moron. It's because, you know, I kind of do moronic things from time to time. Such as not record consistently and then post up four hour long had to break it to two parts uh fantastic discussion with with a friend so co-hosting it's a thing it's i enjoy it i should do more of it so i plan on it it's my weird random little corner of the internet um I will be actually releasing an episode, hopefully, before New Year. Um, before the start of the New Year. I will get back... I will finally post up um, my episode on motivation. And and how to maintain it. Because, again, that's something I struggle with. And there's an explanation for it. I just need to change my brain but yes 
So hopefully my next episode will finally be that episode that I've been putting off and putting off and putting off. So I've been putting off a lot lately. So it's actually impressive that you guys are getting this too. Holiday season is just crazy time. Crazy, crazy time. So there's a few added extra elements that have nothing to do with the corona baloney. So I really, truly hope that I'm able to get that episode up. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. So until next time, Godspeed. Deuces.